All right, good morning, my friends. Preacher John here in Louisville, Colorado today. I just lifted my banner. God bless you, banner 2023. We're at uh, Pine in Front today. And we're, that's what we're going to do. We're going to lift the Word of God by publishing it on a banner. It's on this side here. It says, Jesus Christ, Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. And we're also going to preach it with our voice. And we're also going to preach it by our presence. So we're going to touch Louisville, Colorado, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've already prayed for a gentleman, even before we got to our corner. And uh, things are moving along very well. I'm really pleased. Uh, remember, Louisville is very, very tiny, small town. So normally it's very slow. But if there's people out here, I want to be out here. If there was nobody out here at all, I would probably still come out and just pray for the city at large which I do. When I come to a city, I pray for the entire city. Uh, I have a supplicational petition before the Lord for the cities that I'm in. Anyways, so I just want to say good morning uh, and uh, we'll put this down and we'll uh, do our scripture short for the day and then we'll do our street sermon for Thursday. All right, see you in a few moments. How you doing? Welcome to the channel. Welcome to Louisville, Colorado. It's not too far out of Boulder. It's just one a couple cities over, thereabouts, wherever it's at. <laughs> Anyways, I ride the bus here. I don't drive anymore. I take the bus everywhere I go and, uh, or walk. But when it's too far, I take the bus, obviously. <laughs> sometimes I take the train, sometimes I take the light rail. And, but on, you know, uh, you can still build a church and build a ministry without a car, believe it or not, because I'm doing it. But that's, probably because of where I live. If I was doing this in Redding, California, where I'm from, or where I've lived for the last 30 years, uh, I couldn't do this. I'd have to have a car. So it depends on where you're at. But right here, I don't need a car. So, uh, but people have cars, <laughs> okay? Like there's cars everywhere. Anyways, uh, let's pray. So Lord, I thank you that we can come to Louisville, Colorado. We can lift up the Word of God. We can lift up our voice. We can lift up our presence. We can just lift up you, Lord Jesus. And you said, if, we lift, if you be lifted up, you'll draw all men unto you. I thank you, Lord, that you're drawing them to yourself and not to me or to anybody else or not to some, you're drawing them to you, Lord. And I pray that many people have uh, be able to receive the Word of God today. And I thank you, Lord, for allowing me to, this privilege and this honor to come out and do this ministry here on the street, here in this city in Colorado. And we give you all the glory, Father, for what is about to happen today, even on this sermon. In your name, Jesus, we humbly pray. Amen and amen. All right, uh, before I get into it, uh, once again, uh, this is a little uncomfortable, but uh, I still have to do it, uh, and that is a little commercial. Um, this is really becoming very important, and I'm seeing more and more people uh, talk about this book, uh, how it's really helping them. Uh, it's helped me for, 
for years, probably 20 years, uh, it's been helping me, not this particular book, but something like it. And uh, it's, it's um, you know, a, a lot of people say, well, are you held accountable to any ministry or any church or any organization? And I say yes, uh, because I'm held accountable to God. And so how do you do that? How do you hold yourself accountable to God? And when I started doing this uh, back just after the trade towers came down in New York City, uh, I, uh, the Lord had me sit down at my desk with my coffee and my Bible and a legal pad, and He directed me to begin writing out my prayers with the Word of God in the mornings, seven days a week. And so that began my journey in building something like this. And so I've been working this plan or this tool. And when I started doing that, it actually got me closer to God. Because somehow when you write something down, first off, you have to think before you can write. You just can't write without thinking. So that engages your brain. And then you have to really be sincere when you're writing to God or prayer. Uh, that comes from your heart. And then God looks at our heart. You know, faith comes and belief comes out of our heart. And, and then a lot of times you want to write a prayer that's based on the Word of God. And so you put all that together and good things started happening for me. No, nothing's automatic and nothing's just instantaneous. But as the days and weeks and months rolled by and the years rolled by, I just kept doing it over and over and it kept expanding, it kept expanding. I started adding things to it and it became an accountability. And I went through hundreds and thousands and thousands and thousands of sheets of legal pad. I used to keep them. I used to have stacks like this. I used to buy them in 500 sheet reams because I'd go through it all. And I bought ream after ream after ream over all the years. And then when I started this church, uh, the Lord showed me uh, how He wanted to begin putting it in a book format in a book format and then begin teaching it and giving this to people or not, you know, uh, putting this in the hands of people, not actually giving it to them, but because uh, you have to pay for the printing cost <laughs> and the shipping and handling. And uh, put this in the hands of people and uh, to call it, you see, truth study, studying the truth. And, and the truth is what we're, we focus on the truth a lot. Uh, we don't focus on tradition or even doctrine or teaching or something like that. We want to find the truth, which is the Word of God, and be taught by the Spirit of truth. So that kind of sets our church aside a little bit because that's very uh, unique to our church. In a sense, it shouldn't be. It should be like every church. But uh, we're all about speaking, walking, talking, studying the truth with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of truth, the Comforter. And so uh, here uh, I tried starting a class a couple years ago. It didn't work because uh, I was figuring things out. So I set that aside. The Lord had me stop that. And, uh, and then we, it took me probably two years to put this together because I couldn't figure out what the Lord wanted. But what we have today is pretty close. I don't know if it's exact or not. That's why I'm asking people when you buy the book to go through it and to... Um, uh, look at how you're going through it and ask the Holy Spirit, is there something that together as a group of people, as a family, can we 
alter something or change something or add something that would benefit a multitude of people, not just one person, but as a whole. And, uh, and the only way to really do that is you have to work through the book and work through the book and uh, <laughs> work through the book. I got the restaurant right there behind me. They're wondering what I'm doing. <laughs> work through the book and with the Holy Ghost. If you're not with the Holy Ghost, then your suggestions will not align with what God wants us to do by His Spirit. Because many people don't operate by the Spirit of God. They operate by their own spirit. Uh, it's kind of crazy. And I know that instantly when somebody talks to me, if they're talking from their own spirit or from the Spirit of God. It's very obvious to me, and it should be obvious to everybody who is baptized with the Holy Ghost. All right, so uh, this book here, it's uh, only 65 pages, no, 78 pages, 65 classes that we're doing. We just finished uh, class number 59, so tomorrow will be class 60. We only have five more classes before we're done with this book. And those who have purchased this book and are ready to go to number two, uh, they already have number two. And uh, there's a whole story there. You can come to the class and find out how that's done. But you can go to the book patch, thebookpatch.com. And when you get there, ignore the picture on the front cover there, front page, and go to the top. You'll see bookstore off to the right. Click on bookstore, and then it'll take you to uh, uh, the, the bookstore. And then there's a search in there, and you want to type in GEC True Study, and you'll see the first four books come up on the shelf. And this is the first book. First book. You want to buy the first book. It has a blue cover like this. All right, and that's $9.27. That's the print cost of the book. Uh, we are not charging you any profit margin at all. Uh, we are going to give that profit away to help pay for your shipping and handling because it's, you know, it's like six, seven, eight dollars like that for handling and shipping and tax and things like that. And to think it's, and so we're giving that profit away in it to help you. And it's, it's kind of the only way we can do it. So uh, uh, anyways, that's what we're doing. And um, amen. I think you're going to stop right there. Anyways, the classes are 7 o'clock in the morning, live stream, uh, live broadcast, uh, Monday through Friday. And uh, so if you're watching this on Friday morning, you can jog on over to the live stream. That'll start at 7 o'clock. This video will go live at 4 in the morning, Boulder time. Three hours later, we'll have our live stream come live. And it's a lot of fun to be live because... People talk to each other in the comment section. We have three to five, six students that come, and we have usually 15 or 20 people who come after the class is done because they're working. That makes sense. You know, I couldn't have attended. I'd have to do the uh, recorded part. And uh, but uh, the live stream, if you can catch one or two live streams, it just it's just kind of interesting uh, because it's real time. You know, you know, you're just with people real time, and people are praying for each other in the chat room and talking amongst each other. And it's like a, there's like a fellowship beginning in the chat room. It's really uh, interesting. I didn't know that was going to happen. I, in fact, I didn't even know people could talk to each other. I didn't know that either. So I'm learning. Uh, you can teach an old dog new tricks for sure. <laughs> so. Uh, so let's get into our sermon today. This is the Thursday Street Sermon. We're in part five of our Sunday prayer letter. Every Sunday we have a new uh, letter that comes out and several times during the year uh, I am unable to write the letter uh, for whatever reason the last little while I physically have been really struggling 
Um, don't know why, but uh, this coming, I usually write the letter on the Sabbath, Saturday, it's my day off. I only, I preach six days a week and I take Saturday the Sabbath off. God works six days and took the seventh off. John works six days and takes the seventh off. They do the same thing God does. All right. I don't go play on that day, but you don't have to do that. It's just something that God asked me. I've never done a Sabbath before or a rest in the Lord until he asked me the very first Sabbath day that I came to Boulder. The very first day, he said, I want you to set that day aside to be with me. And so that's what I've been doing all these years since 2017, since the first Sabbath of May 2017. I've been pretty faithful. Three or four times I've messed up, went out preaching and ministering, and I had to come back and repent. <laughs> so I thought you, you spend it with me. And even uh, visiting with people. I can't visit with people. I don't talk on the phone to people. I don't text to people. It's just me and Jesus. It's, that's the time set aside because the rest of the, my week is all for people. And I, I just pour my heart out to everybody and empty myself out day after day after day. And I need that time of rest with the Lord. And that Sabbath has become such a magnificent day in the Lord. I don't know why I haven't done it all my life. Uh, and I'm sad that people don't set a day aside just to be with God. It is spectacular, spectacular. I can't even put into words um, what happens on my Sabbath. And my Sabbath doesn't start at 6 p.m. on Friday night. I don't do the Jewish Hebrew holiday of Sabbath rest. I do what the Lord showed me to because there's no such thing as holy days anymore. I know that really bothers a lot of Jewish people. And uh, so my Sabbath rest, Sabbath means, you know, seventh day rest, is uh, starts when I wake up in the morning and goes all the way till I go to bed that night. So the whole, all my waking hours is resting in the Lord and different things happen throughout the day. It's just a wonderful, wonderful time with the Lord. I just, it's just hard to explain it. I mean, it's like a miracle every Saturday, even when I'm totally physically exhausted. Like last Saturday night, last Saturday, um, when I came out of Golden, because on Fridays I leave town, I go out of town. So when I came out of Golden on Friday night, I was just burned out, exhausted. And the Lord just had me rest didn't have me do any work. I'm asking the Lord how I can just take the whole day and not do any work because I'm still working on my Sabbath. There's a set few hours, three to four, three to five hours that I write the Sunday prayer letter. And so I'm going to do, the Lord showed me last week how I can do something different. So that's what I'm trying. I'm giving this story for examples. Every story that I tell is not just talking about me. Don't have that frame of thought. He's just knocking about himself. No, no, no. Everything I do, everything I say, every story that I tell, every example, everything I go through is an example. I'm giving you examples and stories of a life as a minister on the street and different things that I do as an example to you. That's what I'm doing. And so, for example, I've been praying that's what you do. An example is to, when you have problems, you pray. You ask the Holy Spirit, what can I do here? And if you don't know what to ask, you ask the Holy Spirit, what question should I be asking? Yeah, he'll give you the question. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And so I was asking the Holy Spirit, uh, what, how, can I, how can I not do the Sunday prayer letter on Saturday? And he showed me, well, that's the day I want you to do it. As soon as I heard that, I said, okay, well, I can't do it on Friday, can't do it on Sunday. That means I have to do it on Saturday because that's the day he wants me to do it. I said, all right, Holy Spirit. Then on that day, is there a better time 
for me to do my Sunday prayer letter for the for the ministry. And I didn't get an answer right away. I prayed for probably two weeks, probably two weeks, probably 14 days, I'm pretty sure. Because uh, it was from one Sabbath to the next Sabbath to the next Sabbath. And last Saturday, the Lord said that this coming Saturday, tomorrow or this coming Saturday, that when you get up in the morning, after your prayer time, immediately sit down at your desk and do your letter and attempt to be finished before noon. So that way there you have the rest of the day from noon all the way to the time you go to bed to spend with me, to rest in me, and you'll have it all done. So this will be the first time that I've done it in the mornings. Normally I spend the whole day with the Lord and late afternoon, early evening, I sit down and do the letter. But this time he's gonna flip it around and do it in the morning. Now, somebody could say, well, why didn't he say that in the beginning? Maybe you're not following God, John. You see, somebody who says that doesn't truly walk with God. They walk in their own ability, thinking that they're following God. See, because we are exercising our spirit every day. And when you exercise, you start weak and you get strong. That's why you exercise. You just don't all of a sudden magically, poof, God shows a magic wand and you're strong. You're weak and you become, you're weak and then you become strong. You exercise, all right? And uh, that's what I was doing. So these last several years I've been exercising. I don't, don't understand how that works but I know what is going on. I know generally what's going on. So now we're gonna to attempt to do it in the morning. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> right, that's an example, right? Got an answer, I got an answer. Don't do it any other day but Saturday and do it in the morning. All right, we'll see what happens. We'll do it in the morning, <laughs> okay, you know? And then I could probably ask after tomorrow morning, I'll say, well, or Saturday morning, I say, how come I haven't been doing this whole time? You, know, you weren't ready, I guess. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't need to know the answer. I just need to know what I need to do next. And if you need to do something that it's, it's going to change. So that's another example to follow is, you know, God's going to have you do something. For example, let me give you another example. Like this is, this is the corner that I started from here in, in uh, uh, where am I at? Louisville. I started here. I went to, I walked all over town for probably 30 to 45 minutes, lot, you know, many blocks that way, many blocks all over. I knew I had to come to the old part of town, old, old town, I knew that. Uh, not the new town of Louisville, but the old town of Louisville. But I didn't know where. So I'm walking, asking and praying. And uh, though, then when I got here, I knew this is where the Lord wanted me because I saw it here. But I've been on that corner. I've been on that corner at different times in the last couple years. but. And here, uh, a couple months ago, the Lord moved me back over to here. Yeah. See, so why don't I just stay here? I don't know. He wanted me over there for a while. Then he allowed me to move over here. I've never been on that corner. He wants me here now. So that also is kind of like a teaching. Can you move in step with the Spirit of God? See, are you that sensitive to be moving if he just turns to the left? or if he turns to the right, you also turn to the left or to the right. See, that's, there's a lot going on there, a lot of dynamics. He's your coach. You know, that's that coach or comforter. Our comforter is our coach, C and C, right? Coach. So that's the Holy Ghost. He's our coach too. 
Yeah. And he's also our counselor. He's our comforter. The Holy Ghost's ministry is here now. But the interesting thing about the Holy Ghost is Jesus said he will not speak on his own. What he speaks is what I say. And what did Jesus say? I only speak what my Father says. <laughs> See, it's pretty interesting, right? One voice, right? From one God. There's not three voices, not three mouths. That's, a, that's not, a, that's not, sorry. A lot of people believe that, but uh, not what's in the Bible. The Holy Ghost is not the third person. That's, that's not true. It's, it's a teaching that's been going on for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, 1,700 years. 17, yeah, over 1,700 years that's been going on. Does it make it true? Just because it's going to be going on for 1,700 years and you don't know the origin of the Trinity doctrine, does that make it true? Because your, your, your pastor teaches the Trinity doctrine? Well, you know, study it on your own. Figure things out on your own. Just don't take it like, oh yeah, give me that poison, give me that teaching, give me that lie, and I'll digest it. Why? That's why I love the Bereans when they said, we listened to Paul, but we're going to take what he taught and we're going to go into the Word of God. We're going to search the Scriptures, making sure that what he said was right. <laughs> and that's what you need to do. Search it when your pastor preaches you. When, you. when I preach it, go to the Bible. Search these Scriptures out, right? <laughs> Praise God, right? All right, so this is Thursday, part five, Thursday. Our Sunday prayer letter is titled, I cheerfully answer for myself. We're in Acts 24. We're in the signs, wonders, miracles, praise, worship, the theme for this year. This theme will change come uh, the first of the year into another theme that we're going to be doing. Part five on Thursday is Acts 24, 16 to 21. 16 to 21. All right, right here, 16. We're in the King James Bible, always in the King James. All right, and this title for our street sermon is called, I Exercise Myself. That's why I've been talking about what I've been saying since the video started. It's all about exercising. And sometimes you need examples. Those examples becomes uh, like a little coach type thing. So your coach gives you an example. This is how I want you to run this play out. This is how I want you to lift these uh, weights. This is how I want you to swim. You know, this is how I want you to pole vault. You know, <laughs> I used to pole vault when I was in school. <clears throat> Anyways, so your coach gives you the example and then you follow his example. That's exercising correctly. You don't want to exercise incorrectly because you can hurt yourself. That's why I'm giving you these examples, right? All right, so verse 16, uh, this is the title, I Exercise Myself, is found in verse 16. And herein do I exercise myself. I exercise myself is the title. That's the seed that we're sowing here inside this fruit of 16 to 21. All right. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. I'm going to read the whole thing here. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings. Whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with multitude nor with tumult, verse 19, who ought to have been here before thee, and object if they had ought against me. Or else let these same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice. 
that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. All right, so that's the, the fruit. And we'll talk about some of the seeds that I see inside the fruit. It's kind of how we do it. It's how the Holy Spirit showed me decades ago to, to give the fruit and then pick out the seeds and sow those seeds. Don't try to sow the whole fruit. In other words, don't take the, the fruit and cram it down somebody's throat <laughs> into their spirit. Just pick out the seeds and plant those seeds in their spirit, giving examples around each of the seeds so they fall into good ground. Because sometimes seeds will fall into thorns or along the way, wayside and the path and rocks and all that kind of stuff. But you want seed to fall on good ground so it produces a harvest in the people who are listening to your sermon. So you want to be aware of that. And you do that by the Spirit of God, right? Okay. So verse 16, herein do I exercise myself. So that's a seed I want to so exercise myself. I exercise. So that's saying, God doesn't exercise you. The coach, the Holy Ghost doesn't exercise you. You exercise. You have to do something. You just can't sit on the couch or sit in your pew, sit in the chair there in church and do nothing. You have to exercise. You have to do something. You have to join the choir. You have to become a Sunday school teacher. You have to witness. You have to be on the altar. You have to be a prayer person. You have to you know, pray for the church. Maybe you have to be an usher. You have to do something, exercise. And then when you do that new job, that new work, that new ministry, don't expect to get paid. It's all volunteer. And, uh, and then you have to ask to be taught if they're not going to teach you. How do I do this, right? I've done all, I've been on the praise team. I've been an I've been a altar counselor. I've been an usher, scrunchy school teacher. Uh, I've done all kinds of things in church. I've preached in church. I've done lots of different things in churches and I had to be taught how to do those things. No big deal. You learn how to do it and you do it the way they're taught. You don't say, well, I don't do it that way. I do it my way. Well, you're not going to teach for very long. You have to humble yourself, submit yourself to the church. Because the pastor is the shepherd that answers to God. And if you don't like the shepherd, you don't like the church, maybe you're not supposed to be there. I don't know. Ask God. Talk to God about that. You know? There's a lot of people that feel obligated to be in a certain church. Well, I got baptized here and I got to stay here. Or I signed a form that says, I commit to this church, I'll never leave this church, and blah, blah, blah. You should probably never sign that. <laughs> you don't owe your life to your church. You owe your life to God. Give your life to God, not to your church. Because that is a form of bondage. You want to get away from that bondage. That's slavery. You want to go to the master and get set free. Get, get, take that document that you sign, because there's a lot of churches who make people sign that. I hear I solemnly swear that I will go to this church and I will place my tithe and I will make sure I give 10%, all that kind of junk. Don't do that. Don't do that. Herein do I exercise my faith. No, exercise myself. Yeah, exercise my faith. You know, anyways, <clears throat> there's a lot of verses on that. All right. To have always a conscience. Have always a conscience void of offense. Always. Now, I want to highlight the word always for a moment. Always doesn't mean, uh, it, it, well, let me say this. Always also includes uh, when you sin, 
and you repent immediately, instantly, you're still in that always. It says always a conscience void of offense, a void of sin. But if you sin and you repent immediately, you're still covered in that always because you're quick to ask forgiveness. You're quick to repent. You're quick to apologize, to say, so Lord, I'm sorry, uh, that's sin. Please forgive me, Lord, All right? And so that always covers that, right? Because that's charity. Charity covers a multitude of sin, right? Always a conscience. Now, conscience is talk is the kind of is the voice of our spirit. When we hear our spirit talk to us, that's our conscience, and that's why Paul talked about not searing your conscience, not searing your conscience, where you can't hear the uh, your your spirit speak to you, because your conscience knows the truth and knows the evil. It knows right from wrong. It knows how to do things. But if you ignore it over and over and over and over, eventually your spirit will stop speaking to you, right? And you can also say that the Holy Ghost is the conscience of the Father, in a sense, right? Right now, you know, it's one way of looking at it, I guess. I'm not sure about that, but something to think about. Search the scriptures, right? Search the scriptures. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, I'm going to turn just a little bit here. Uh, this sun is in my face a little bit too much. It's bugging me. All right, I'm going to just try to turn away from the sun a little bit. All right. Conscious void of offense. Void. Empty. Nothing there. No void. It's empty of, of offense. Empty of sin. You want to be holy. You want to be righteous. You want to be blameless, you know, before the Lord. Uh, you want to have a pure heart because a pure heart shall see God. But if you don't have a pure heart, you won't see God, which means you probably won't go to heaven. I'm, I'm just supposing that, okay? Because if you're in heaven, you're going to see God. I'm, I'm supposing that. I'm not sure of that exactly, all right? Exercise always a conscious void of offense. I don't want to highlight, okay, offense toward God and toward man, toward men, male and female, men, mankind, male and female, men, okay? So I am void of, con I am void of offense toward God and toward man, all right? Now that goes back to where you love God and you love people. That's that golden, the rule, you know, the, all the law and the prophets hang on that law. Love God, love people, right? And uh, uh, also another verse that says, God will give you favor with himself and favor with man. Lots of stories, you know, lots of things going on there. When you spend time with God, he, he fills you with his love, and then you deliver that love to people. When you spend time with the Lord, he delivers a message and delivers whatever he needs to put in you, and you deliver that to the people, all right? So it's uh, off of toward God and toward man. And I want to go down... Looking at this toward man, I want to go down to Matthew 18, 35 real quick. And Matthew 18, Matthew 18, uh, 35. Hang on. Uh, 1835. And it is so important to understand that 1835, that the Lord gave a little bit of a teaching on this. He did a lot of teaching on this, actually, but this is the verse that kind of jumped out at me. 1835. You should read the whole parable here really really fascinating and uh, it should produce what's on my sleeve 
it should do, produce fear of God, fear of God. And it should produce a lot of things, <laughs> really. But think about verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. Listen to this. Here's the, here's the word. If ye, all of you, from your hearts, forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Let me say that again. If you, from your heart, forgive not. If you don't forgive them from your heart, everyone of his brothers, every one of the people in your life, their trespasses. Where does that go? That goes back to the manner of prayer. When Jesus said, in this manner, pray ye, right? Talking about trespasses. Those who sin against you, those who violate, those who offend you, those who do evil, you gotta forgive them. Is there some things that you don't need to forgive? No, you forgive it everything. You forgive everything, right? If you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother, their trespasses, then the Lord won't forgive you your trespasses. Do you want God to forgive you? Then you need to forgive people. If you don't, God's not gonna be mocked. What you, if you sow it, you're gonna reap it. But if you don't sow it, you don't sow forgiveness, then God's not gonna forgive you. So you have to operate in forgiveness. Operate in forgiveness. You've gotta forgive people. You gotta let it go. Forgive them, let it go to God. Give it over to God, let God deal with it because you have a clean heart. You have no ill will towards any man. No ought towards any person. You, you walk in freedom, total, complete peace and freedom. Very important, very important. So you think about this again. Uh, this, uh, no, right here in 16. Here and do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and towards man, right? Towards God, so how do you have offense toward God? You sin. That, yeah, that's what that is. Offense is a sin. You sin against God and you don't ask forgiveness, then you have problems with God. You need to ask forgiveness. Then you then you sin against man, you have sin against you have you need to forgive. Ask God for his you know, it's really important to understand forgiveness. Amen? Alright, so let's go down to 17. Now after many years I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings, right? Alms and offerings. Really important to understand that too, giving. Paul was a giver. Paul was a giver. Not just in tokens and tips, but in alms and offerings. Because what you give is gonna come back. You give a tip, God's gonna give a tip. If you want a bountiful harvest, then you better sow a bountiful seed, right? And when you sow that bountiful seed, you better do it cheerfully. If you do it begrudgingly, well, guess what's gonna happen? God's gonna begrudgingly give a tip back to you. Do you want that? Do you want God to abundantly bless you with all your needs met according to his riches and glory? Yeah, well, you know, give out, you know? Don't be like a dead sea where you just keep receiving, receiving, but nothing goes out. That's how people implode and that's how the Christianity, the Christian part of them, the, uh, uh, the Christ within them kind of leaves, right? It's kinda, that's called foolishness. That's called the five foolish virgins, right? Five of them were wise and five were foolish. But they all knew where the wedding feast door was. They all knew the Lord. They all knew the word. They all had a light. light. They all had a lamp. And they're all together. They knew everybody. All their buddies and friends were believers. But only, but five of them didn't go into the wedding feast. 
something to think about. Something to think about, man. It really is, you know. God's not going to be mocked. We talked about that in church last night. But whoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Right? If you sow bountifully and cheerfully, then you're going to receive bountifully and cheerfully. You sow out of duty and slavery and, oh, I got to do this or I'm not going to, you know, you do that big grudge. You, oh, man, I don't want to do this. That's not good. That's not good. That is not good at all. I give happily. When I'm on the street, I give joyfully. Can I help you? Can I give to you? Can I buy you a coffee? Can I buy you lunch? Can I buy you a bus ticket? If you need a bus ride, you know, I help people. Gotta, you know, I keep money. I, I'm a minister. I'm not just somebody who's just wanting to preach the gospel. I'm a full-blown, all the counsel, all the Lord, all the counsel of the Lord, all the counsel of God minister. I just don't say God bless you to people. I see if they have a need, and then I give to them. I have money right here. I have my church card here if they need to get a hold of me. I have gospel tracts if they need to receive Christ. They need a prayer. I got the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I mean, I'm fully loaded, ready to go to work. Think about that. I'm ready to go to work no matter what kind of work the Lord has me doing. I never say, oh, I don't have this, or I don't have any gospel tracts, or, whoa, hang on to the wind here. I'm ready to go to work. I have every all the tools I need. And sometimes you need to have a couple dollars in your pocket. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't need a lot. I started with one dollar. And then I went to two dollars, then three, and the Lord kept blessing me. I mean, why did the Lord bless me? Because I kept giving, I kept giving, I kept giving. Then it went to four dollars. You know, now there is every pack. I just that's really important. So I pull this out. There's five one dollar bills there. I don't give them a five dollar bill. I want one five singles so they can kind of divvy it up. All right? Do I want to control them? Oh, I'm not going to give to anybody because they'll just buy drugs with that. Really? Maybe that's why God's not given to you. Well, he'll just spin it on his lust. I'm not going to give him anything. <laughs> you see that? You give, you know, check how you're giving, how you're preaching, how you're ministering. It's really important. I'm joyfully given this sermon. I'm excited to be doing this. I love it. It's an awesome day in a nice city. I feel good. Been up since four this morning, four thirty, four fifteen, you know, and uh, then I give them, and then I don't stop there. I give them three gospel tracks. I give them three, not just one. Oh, here's one. I just got to do. Oh, these are five cents a piece, or these are ten cents a piece. I got to dole it out. I can't give them three. Are you kidding me, John? That's thirty cents. I've heard that many, 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 many times. If you give in your ministry begrudgingly or stingy or selfishly, I tell you, it's going to come back multiply, hundredfold, sixtyfold. I mean, it's going to come back in a big way. And God's going to teach you a big lesson. So I hope you're listening here and be looking at your life. So I give them three. Why do I give them three? So they can throw them away? No, that nobody. I don't. I've only found only one time in four and a half years. I found one of my tracks in a trash can. Yeah, 
one time. So what I do is I get this one for you and two to give away. These are seeds to sow, putting you to work, putting them to work. Oh, I know who I want to give them to. And they give, put them to work, put them to work. They put them to work. I know this audio is going to be messed up, so sorry about that. I'm outside and it's windy. So I put them to work. I give them seed to sow. Jesus gave us seed. I give people seed. I don't give them one seed. I give them three seeds. I used to give two. And the Lord said, I want you to increase it. Oh, okay. I increase it. I used to give, I used to give one, but I didn't know any better. I didn't know. Then the Lord says, give them two. So I said, okay, I'll give them two. Oh, hang on. Oh my goodness. Uh, wow. Let me do this. Turn away from that wind. Whoa, hang on everybody. Man, oh man, wind is fierce. It's living in the mountains or near the mountains. So then I gave two seeds away. Then here a couple years ago, the Lord says, I want you to add one more to give three seeds away. One to keep, two to give away. I want you, I want you, these are seeds to sow. I want you to go to work passing it out. Okay. And I never give offerings away without seed. If they don't want the seed, the, the crack, I don't give them the offering. I said they go together. They go together. Oh, okay. And a couple times, I've not given them anything. Sorry. You don't want to see the, the gospel track, then I don't give that. And I don't just give it to anybody and everybody. They have to talk to me. They have to talk to me. That's one of the things the Holy Ghost said. Because you have to follow what the Spirit of God is teaching. He's our coach, right? I'm using that C as a coach. Coach comforter, coach. He's our coach. So you want to do what he's telling you to do. You don't want to do what I'm telling you to do. Don't do. Don't copy me. Don't follow my example. Don't do any of that stuff. Just take everything you're learning or hearing from me and take it to God by the Spirit of God. And He'll show you what to do or not to do or what you can add or not add or how you can change things for your ministry. That's how you do it. You want to follow the Holy Ghost, not Preacher John, right? You're just getting some information here, highlighting a few things here, okay? All right. Uh, now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings, whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple. I'm going to stop right there, purified in the temple. And I kept praying to the Holy Spirit about this. I said, Holy Spirit, it looks like, uh, based on some other things Paul has said throughout these scriptures here in Acts, uh, that he kind of operates uh, in the uh, Jewish rituals, the Jewish laws, the Jewish stuff, and in the Gentile stuff. He kind of lives in both worlds. And, and, and that's interesting to me. I don't understand it. Because do we purify ourselves in the temple? I thought the Word of God washes us and purifies. The blood of Lamb of God purifies us of our sin. That the Holy Ghost sanctifies us. So I don't know. I don't know how this is relating here a lot. I'm not here to teach this, but it's interesting to bring to our attention. Purify also found me, Paul, purified in the temple. That's interesting. See, that's you stop right there. That's why I tell people in the in the gospel tracts when you see a picture that catches your attention, stop. When you read the, read the Bible and something catches your attention, stop right there. Don't keep going. Don't come back to it because you'll forget it. Stop right now. The moment the Holy Ghost shows it to you, 
be quick to stop and ask the Holy Spirit, why did this, why, why did you stop me? Or what, why, what is here that I need to know, Holy Spirit, purified in the temple? And maybe he'll say something, maybe he won't. But at least you stopped, you exercised yourself. You exercised your spirit, purified in the temple, it goes, go on. Neither with multitude, that's a lot of people, nor with tumult, tumult being, you know, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of problems, right? There was peace in the temple, verse 19. Who ought to have been here, here. Where's, where are my accusers, kind of like? They ought to be here before thee and object, but they're not here. Where are they? If they had ought against me. So he, Paul's saying, they must have not had anything against me. I don't know what you guys are complaining about. Nobody had anything, no problem with me. I didn't, wasn't shouting anywhere. Like when I'm on the street, somebody gets mad at me. I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not putting anybody down. I just have a banner. I'm just praying. Like the police officer here a couple few weeks ago, last month, they're in Superior. He asked me, you know, he, he thought I was soliciting. There's, there's no, there's a solicitation ordinance there in the township of Superior. No solicitation in the city uh, or the township of Superior. I said, no, I'm just praying. I'm praying. I'm interceding for souls that God would touch people. And he looks at me. Couldn't say anything for a second. Didn't know what to, he didn't know how to respond. I'm just praying. I'm interceding to God for souls that God would touch people here in Superior. You're just praying? <laughs> that's, what, that's what he said. That's the sheriff said. Yeah, I'm just praying. Oh, okay, <laughs> good. Keep doing it. That's what he said. Keep doing it. I said, right. yes, sir. Thank you. And uh, so he went back into the the place that called on me, and uh, he told them what I was doing. And uh, see, they had no ought against me. They had no offense. They they thought there was offense, but there wasn't. There wasn't. See, I don't I don't agree with street preachers who say, oh, you gotta go to jail to be a real street preacher. You gotta be thrown in the paddy wagon. You gotta be handcuffed and hauled off. I don't agree with that at all. Now, if that's what the Lord told you to do, and that's what God showed you to do, and you're doing exactly what God told you to do, and you happen to be, that happened to you, maybe there's something that the Lord wants you to do. That's different. I'm not talking about that. I think oftentimes that when preachers do that, and they, they look at that as like a pride thing, like a notch on their Bible. How many times have you been arrested? How many times have you been thrown in the paddy wagon? How many times have you been hauled to court? See, I don't agree with that, sorry. I, I just don't agree with that. Unless, remember, hear me, unless the God wants you to do that. There's a lot of people in prison right now that God put them in prison, but they're an evangelist in prison. They're witnessing to all the cellmates. They're witnessing to all the wardens. They're witnessing to everybody. They're a light in that dark world. And believe me, it is dark. I've been to prison, been to jail. I know what it feels like to be behind bars. Most preachers don't know what it feels like behind bars. I'm sure there are some. I do. I know, that's why I talk out of experience. There's not many things that I haven't experienced. I don't know if there's anything, actually except being a millionaire, I've never been a millionaire. But I've lived with millionaires, let me write that. I've lived in a millionaire's home, right? I've lived in a millionaire environment. So I, I can probably say that. I lived like a millionaire. It wasn't my home, it wasn't my family, but that's where I lived when I was 16. They were millionaires. They lived in a multi-million dollar home, with a multi-million dollar lifestyle. And it was fun, I enjoyed it, it was great. 
I never ate such good food in all my life. <laughs> I never had lamb chops in my whole life because they're so, I mean, they're really expensive. We had lamb chops a lot. It was really great. Very, very nice. Very formal dinner. I mean, it's great. Loved it. Right? Anyways, let's go on. Purified in the temple, neither with multitude. Okay. Uh, uh, who ought to have been here before me and object if they had ought against me? Verse 20. Or else let these same here say, if they have found, listen, if they have found in me, in Paul, any evil, any evil doing in me. So that's what people are doing. They're people who hate God, who hate Jesus, I believe this is just all a cult. They just absolutely detest it. They're looking to find evil in you. They're looking. That's why you have to be a good, solid, clean, upright citizen out here. Because you're an ambassador. You represent heaven. You don't represent the church. You don't represent any. You represent Almighty God in heaven, the maker of heaven and earth. That's who you are. Then look that way, talk that way, exemplify that, be that example of a real ambassador of heaven, for heaven, right? Be that way. Look at yourself. Before you go out the door, am I an ambassador? You know, I trimmed my nails today. I shaved a little bit around my beard, just kind of clean things up, trim my eyebrows, you know? Clean myself up, make because I'm presentable, you know? Brush my teeth. <laughs> Take a shower. Deodorant, you know. <laughs> got a smile on my face. I'm happy. No sin. I've got no sin in me. I'm sinless right now. I'm feeling good, man. Full of the Holy Ghost. Wow, praise God. Been praying today. Been in the Word of God today. Already got a chance to witness to many people already. Many people. One, two, three, four, five. Five people I've already had a chance to witness to, had a chance to pray with one and, and talk to another, talk about the Bible to another. It's really great. Okay? People are watching you everywhere you go. All right? And then you come on down through years. Uh, they found any, okay, uh, they found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council. Can they find any evil in me? No. All right? Verse 21. Except, now this is the exception. <clears throat> That's what I say. Sometimes I go into stores when I'm dressed like this. I got, you know, big Jesus saves. I got on my hat. I always carry my, usually when I'm out and about, I'm usually preaching because I preach six days a week. I'm dressed for Jesus all the time. So sometimes, not very often, but occasionally, I'm quickened by the Spirit of God to ask the manager, is this okay that I come in dressed like this? Because I don't want to offend anyone. I've said that before, right? And if they said, yeah, we don't like that type of person here, I said, thank you very much. I'll turn around and walk out. Now, that's never happened to me, but it could. Am I going to argue with them? No, I ask out of a sincere conscience, does this offend you? Anybody here, is this okay for me to be here? Now that sounds like a weird question to ask, but it's a real thing to ask people. And that tell you, that opens your life up. That opens yourself up. Because I heard of a, a couple times, I think twice, I've heard two stories now, that 
street preachers or a preacher who is wearing a Jesus shirt or trust Jesus in a mall, shopping mall, was ordered off the premise because that shirt was not allowed on their premises. They looked that, they likened that shirt as solicitation. And the guy argued with them, with the security guy and the manager. It was a mess. Instead of just saying, thank you very much, I didn't know that, I appreciate it very much, and just shake the dust off your feet and says, all right, man, I'm done. I'll never go back to that mall. I'm dusting the, I'm kicking the dust off my feet, man. I'm done. Why argue? Jesus didn't say to argue with them. Oh, argue with them and, and give them all your rights and make sure you had a camera rolling so you can get it all on camera. So when you go to the judge, no. I mean, why strive like that? Why? Jesus said, if they don't receive your peace, then leave, shake the dust off your feet and keep on trucking to the next house, to the next corner, to the next mall, to the next store, to the next whatever. Yeah, let God deal with that mall and the manager and the security guard. That's happened to me many times. I've been kicked off a few corners. We don't want you here. Go over there. Oh, okay. I like that over there. I think I will. I thank you very much. I appreciate that. I like that over there. I've said that at least three times. I think three times I've been kicked off a location. And I go over there and say, thank you. I appreciate that. I kind of was thinking about going over there, but I wasn't sure if that's really what I should do. But I appreciate you helping me because now I can go over there. I've said that. And they look at me like, huh? Because <laughs> they're expecting an argument. They're expecting a fight. Because that's confrontation. I said, okay, great, thanks. I'll go over there. I'll roll my banner up, get all my gear together, walk across the street, lift my banner, smiling. <laughs> I was having a ninth and pearl. I remember that. Guy's in university bicycle. The manager came out and says, hey, we don't want you here. Go someplace else. Oh, really? Can I go about across the street? That's fine. Just don't come here. They get you off the street. Oh, okay. I walked across the street, lifted my banner, smiling, and all of them lined up outside. The mechanic, a mechanic, the manager, and the, and the, and the, and the whoever is running the place. Like three or four or five guys all standing outside, like a group of guys. And they just started looking at me that, that day. And I, I was smiling, preaching, ministering, praying. I was happy. That's happened probably a half a dozen times. Now they don't do that anymore. I go there. I've been doing that for four years now. So now they don't bother me. I had a, a businessman, a business owner there in the same area come over there and says, hey, we want you off this corner. We're going to sign a petition to get you out of our region. Nobody wants you here. I said, fine. No, that's all right. I mean, it's okay. It's a, it's, it's, thank you. Appreciate that. And he'd walk away. I said, no, we want you off here. Thank you. I appreciate that information very much. Thank you. I'm going to go call the police, he said. And he called the police. Two police officers showed up. He said, and I asked him, is this okay? He said, no, you're fine. Perfect. That's all right. No, we want you to keep doing what you're doing. Two bolder police officers said, no, we like what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. You're just fine. You just can't stop people. You can't step in front of people. Well, I, I don't step in front of people. I, I make sure everybody can walk around me. That's good. That's just, just, just check it, you know. And, uh, yeah, see how that works? That's happened at least three times. Once, and I got one other time, too. I'm not going to talk about that one. But that's what's happened, you know? Because they're looking for evil. 
They're looking for evil doing. And if I said something, or if I did something, they would have ought against me, and now I can be dragged off, called the police, handcuffed, and hauled off. Why? Why would I run to raise my heart rate, get nervous, be scared, spend money on a lawyer, spend money on this, and to prove that I'm right and you're wrong? Why? God is the judge, not John. God is the judge. He's gonna judge everybody, and most of those people are already condemned, they're already going to hell, and they'll never receive Christ. But if we're gonna keep praying for them, and we're gonna keep preaching the gospel, because they may repent. Don't know that, not guaranteed, but they may. So we just keep on trucking, man. They're like me. That's why nobody bothers me, pretty much, anymore. Very rare, very rare. I can probably more than just three times. I can take, I can, all of a sudden I thought of several other places I've been told to get out of here or ordered off. All right? So you have to know that where God placed you, that's where God wants you. Giving the example back at that university bicycle. I wasn't sure that's where God wanted me on that corner. And for several months, I kept being bothered that I, Lord, I don't, I saw, I'm uncomfortable here, but I don't know where to go, Lord. See, I was already uncomfortable because at that time, I was still learning how to walk with the Lord as a street preacher, as a, as a banner guy, you know, holding a big sign. I was still learning. As this is four years ago. I was in my first six, seven, eight months of preaching. And I was still unsure of how to do things. And that's why I kept telling the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't, I don't like, I don't know where to go. I don't know if I should move there, but I'm just gonna stay here until something happens, I guess, Lord. And then a couple months later, that's when the manager came out and I was so grateful. And the Lord put me over across the street. I've been there for four years now, or whatever it's been, yeah, four years, because it was during the six, first six or eight months. See, so if you're where God wants you, nobody's gonna take you off that corner. Nobody. Because what God has established, no man can unestablish it. What God has opened, no man can shut. What God has shut, no man can open. Right? That's Bible. Know the Word of God. You know, stand in power and authority. Don't be big head with a lot of pride. Be humble. Be meek. Right? Evil doing in me while I stood before the council. Except it be for this one voice. One voice. I gotta highlight this too. One voice. One voice. How many voices are speaking in you? One, two, three? Yeah. You have the potential of having three voices inside your head speaking to you, your flesh speaking to you, and your spirit speaking to you. And you can maybe add a fourth in there, and that's the Spirit of God trying to speak. And now you got all, remember they say, when people go crazy, they got all these voices in their head, voices all over, they get all crazy. But here Paul said, I have one voice. Boy, you have to stop right there and say, one voice. Whoa, wait a minute here. One voice. But people don't stop. People read so fast that they don't, they, they can't stop. When you're trucking down the road and you're going really fast, it's hard to come to a stop. That's why in the truck, a lot of times I ran the speed limit. And sometimes I'd run five to 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. Now, if it'd be 55 for a truck, a lot of times I'd be going down the road 47, 48 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, just trucking right along. Everybody's passing me and I'm just cruising about five miles an hour into the speed zone. Why do I gotta do the speed plus five or 10? 
But other times, I might be pushing the speed limit plus the tolerance, you know, six or seven miles an hour over the speed limit, you know, the tolerance of the law. So if you're going too fast, you can't stop. So if there's problems ahead, you better start slowing down so that you can come to a stop. That's why a truck driver, looking way on the horizon, is there some, do I have to come to a stop? You're always looking for a way out. Looking to the left, looking to the right, keeping an eye on your mirrors. You know, in case something happens, you have a way out. You don't have cars all alongside of you. You never have that. You never tailgating anybody. You are, and you never have anybody tailgating you. You always want to have a nice big envelope of safety around you in case you have to come to a stop or pull the rig over or blow a tire. You know, you blow one of those caps and that big old alligator comes off that tire, it could crash, it could shatter a windshield. Yeah, so you don't want cars beside you. You know, if they blow a tire, they can slide under your trailer. You know, you don't want to do that. You see that today, those are very poor drivers. I was trained old school and I trust why I'm training you. You know, you want to have space around you. Space around you. When you're out here on the street, if you're a street minister, you want to be looking around. You want to have a 360 degree view. You don't want to have something hidden behind you. You don't want to just keep looking one way because people come in behind you. I've had people come in behind me, try to trip me, try to knock me over, try to do things to me. But I'm always looking, checking things out, right? Always, always looking. One voice, one voice. My spirit, my body, and my mind speak one voice, one voice. They do today. One voice, man, is it windy? One voice. Oh, let me, uh, man, oh man. Hang on, everybody. Let me, uh, what, what should I do? Let me turn this way now. Hang on. Let me turn this way. Man, oh man. There. All right. Oh, hang on, everybody. Got a big old whirlwind coming our way. All right. One voice, think about that. One voice that I cried standing, cried. Cry does not mean he was crying, tears. It means he was speaking out loud. He was proclaiming, he was vocally declaring, proclaiming out loud, standing among them, preaching out loud. Right? And he was preaching on touching the resurrection of the dead. He was preaching on the resurrection. Right? Resurrection. Some believe in the resurrection and angels, and others do not believe in the resurrection. Or do they believe in angels? They don't believe any of that stuff. And so, resurrection of the dead, I am called into question by you this day. Right? So if you're teaching something that you're called into question, you better know that you're teaching the truth and not teaching something that's not the truth. You want to preach the truth. Because if you're preaching the truth, then God has your back. God is with you. But if you're preaching a lie, then maybe you're not going to be, God's not going to be around you very much. Because He's not going to sanction, He's not going to validate a lie. Right? That's Satan. Satan is the liar. God is not a liar. Right? Let's pray. So Lord, I thank you that we can come out to the streets here and the wind and the dust and all the leaves blowing around. 
and uh, we can preach a word, we can preach a sermon out here on the street. People can listen, they can watch, and they can see what I'm doing. I can be an example. It uh, builds my courage to do this out in public, and uh, this courage I have is not flesh, not mental, not physical, it is spiritual. I have spiritual courage to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ out in public because I exercise my spirit. I exercise, I work it. My spirit is at work. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm an example to so many. And that example they take to you, and you show them what to do, teach them what to do. And I thank you, Coach Holy Ghost. <laughs> we love you, Spirit of God. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Hope there is something here for you. Tomorrow's Friday. Tomorrow uh, is the third Friday, so I go to Netherlands, Colorado. Netherland from the Netherlands. That's named after the Netherlands. And uh, I'll be up there in the mountains. Should be a nice day up there, I think. I don't know. And uh, we'll be up there on Friday. And then this Saturday's my day off. And then Sunday, I'll be at 28th and Pearl preaching there where I always preach every Sunday. And uh, that's it. So God bless you, man. I love you very much. Take care. Bye-bye.